Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey, everyone, this is Johnny, and welcome to episode 236 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm out here still in Plato Carmen, Mexico, and talking to Sharon Sang, who you're somewhere in the Bay Area, California, right? Yeah, I'm in Fremont, actually, an hour from San Francisco. Really cool. So we were actually trying to do this this interview with this podcast when I was in San Francisco about a month or two ago, and we just could not find a place that was quiet enough and that had plugs in downtown San Francisco <laughs> to do it. Yeah, that was a disaster. <laughs> but luckily, I've, I've gotten a new uh, MacBook battery since then, so actually we could have done it. Oh, really? Oh, man. <laughs> that was by far the best $100 purchase I've made in the last year. I'm going to ask you yours as well, so start thinking about it. But I was putting off getting a new uh, laptop battery because it's a 2013 MacBook Air. And I was thinking, I don't want to put any more money into this. I just want to get a new laptop. But Apple keeps coming out with crappy MacBooks for like $2,000. And I'm like, I'm not going to spend two grand on a new MacBook Pro that has a crappy keyboard and has a... 720p webcam out of a iphone one i'm just i just keep waiting for them to upgrade and i finally just gave in and said okay i'm gonna buy a new battery and the the laptop now it, it works like new so i'm so glad i did it that was good because i have the i have the new one for my work laptop and it's broken like four times already so i think it's a good choice not going that route so. yeah and it sucks and i think it it still sucks if you're in the u.s but at least then you have app, like access to apple stores when I'm True. as a digital nomad, it makes it really hard because in most countries that I travel to, there is no Apple store. So if it breaks, you're screwed. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so true. And um, luckily my current one hasn't broken yet. It's been like five years. I bought it for like digital nomading and it's still been pretty good. Okay, good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And what yeah. ma- what computer is that? Uh, It's just the MacBook Pro. Like I, I think it was 2015 or 2014 or something like that, but not the... You know, not the slim one with the USB-C. Like, don't get that oh. one. Oh, so yeah. you, you have the last generation of the old MacBook Pros. Yeah, I think so. And my boyfriend got the like the new one, and his broke down too. So, yeah, don't do that one. <laughs> yeah, it sucks because nobody asked for them to be any thinner. But Apple was like, oh, let's make the Pro, which is supposed to be the, for the professional <laughs> model, thinner. The same yeah. like as the MacBook Air. Like, what's the difference now? Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, but for everyone yelling at us to switch to Windows, once you start using Mac OS and you realize how much better it is, it's it's worth it. Even with all the faults, it's still a better overall experience than yeah. having to do with Windows. Yeah, I have to agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it, it sucks. But hopefully, like they'll start kind of keeping us in mind as digital nomads and either you know opening Apple stores in other places in the world or hopefully just not having them break. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's let's kind of rewind. Um, how did we first meet, actually? I think we met at the Nomad Summit. Yeah, Nomad Summit in Chiang Mai back in 2017 or something like that. Yeah, it's been a few years. And and you're originally from Bay Area? Yeah, from the Bay Area. Um, I left in 2016, traveled for two years as a digital nomad and was like building passive income streams on like Etsy, Amazon and blogging and uh, ended up coming back to the Bay area for several 
reasons, I suppose, and um, ended up actually taking a full-time job, and, but I'm still kind of doing the side hustles, building up my brand and stuff like that. So actually, that's actually the reason why I wanted to talk to you because somebody asked me recently, like, how many people stop being a digital nomad? Like, how many people fail? And I was really trying to think about it because I've met, you know, probably thousands of people who have come through Chiang Mai, digital nomads, mm -hmm. and I've kept in mm -hmm. touch with a lot of them. I've become friends with hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. And I, I really could not think of that many situations where people, like, quote unquote, failed, as in they tried everything, they, like, you know, they ran out of money and was like, all right, well, you know, this, you know, this didn't work. I'm, I have to go home. I'm, I'm gonna get a, you know, a job I hate. And I was like, you know, there has to be people who, you know, like, obviously it's entrepreneurship. It's not easy. Not everyone succeeds. And I was really thinking what, like, what happens when people don't make it? And I think most people, like, I, like everyone I can think about, I can think of, like, they just pivoted to, to something else. And I don't think any of them regretted their journey. Like, like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I I never regret my journey. I think it's been amazing. And I actually came back saving even more money because I built like all these passive income streams. And it wasn't really actually like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't make it kind of type of thing. Um, I actually decided I wanted to come back for, you know, for several reasons. I felt like a lot of the nomads I'm just generalizing but a lot of nomads kind of wanted to chill like the ones that I met that were abroad so I was still in the hustling state like I wanted to be surrounded by entrepreneurs um, and a lot of them are in the Silicon Valley so I actually came back for like a lot of it for that purpose and I've been in marketing for like seven years and I decided to work at a startup again and it we're actually kind of starting it from scratch so it feels like another like kind of hustle basically not not like I'm working for someone else and I'm learning a lot too so um my idea was like I kind of wanted to come back and hustle more and learn more and just like grow more so I also kind of wanted to be around friends and family again so it was like several reasons actually so yeah and all good reasons and actually I know a lot of people who have moved back to the U.S. or moved back to you know uh, different places because they wanted to be in a big city where they wanted to be where the scene was, you know? So even Anton, my, my mentor for dropshipping, he moved back to Austin, Texas because he was like, you know what? I want to take this business, you know, from making, you know, a couple, like, you know, a couple hundred grand a year, which is good money. But he, he's like, I want to make a $10 million business. I want to make a hundred million dollar business. And I can't see myself doing that from a coffee shop in Asia. Like I have mm -hmm. to be, you know, like I want to rent an office. I want to have employees. I want to have a warehouse. Mm -hmm. And he moved back for that. You know, I also have friends who moved to San Diego because they're like, you know what? I still want to kind of be by the beach. I still want to have that kind of laid back vibe, but I want to be where the hustle is. I want to be able to hire Americans, be in the U S time zone. I want, you know, I want, I want that hustle and bustle. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I think, um, like coming back here and meeting a lot of these people around me that they they actually are aiming for like millions a year, you know what I mean? And like hundreds of thousands passive income per month type of thing. And I guess, uh, I mean, I'm not like aiming to like just doing all this for money type of thing, but it's just like, oh, like everyone's kind of aiming really big here, you know what I mean? So kind of opened my eyes too and I was like, yeah, maybe I need to, you know, come back and just like really grind it out. Cause I think like when I was uh, a digital nomad kind of traveling, I was spending a lot of time also just like 
uh, soaking in the surroundings, which was great. But I was doing sort of like half and half of like, I'm half hustling, I'm half like enjoying my life and traveling and stuff. I'm at the state where I just, I just want to hustle. Like, I just want to learn a lot. I want to master things. Um, so I'm just trying to build my brand now. I like that. And I respect that. I think one of the biggest downsides of the nomad life that we live, especially in cheap places like Chiang Mai, is it's, it's easy to get comfortable. And there's yeah. always something to do. You know, someone's going to be like, hey, you want to go to the waterfalls today? You're like, ah, yeah, okay, why not? You know, my rent's only 300 bucks a month. Like, I don't, why am I working so hard? Yeah, I, I appreciate it too. You know, like I, I feel like um, there's there's a beauty of like being kind of satisfied and kind of not always trying to strive for more. And I think like here in the Bay Area, we're always trying to chase success. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think you need a balance of both. But I agree with you that like it was really comfortable when I was there. I was like really chill there. I ended up being in Chiang Mai for like four months and. Uh, there's just like things to do all the time. It's it's really chill, really relaxed, and I love the vibe. But I did feel like I wasn't growing as fast as I wanted to. Yeah, I could definitely see that, and and that is a common complaint of Chiang Mai in particular. It doesn't mean that there's not some people there who are in the grind and hustle mode. You know, uh, I have a small group there where we do something called six six figure sushi once a month, where. You know, we have like six, seven, eight people get together. Uh, the only requirement is you you can only come and you can only invite friends who are making hundred grand a year or more. And mm-hmm. it's actually it's always kind of surprising. Every month there's different you know people, and a lot of them you never see. Like they're they're not the ones that kind of hang out uh, at normal meetups or normal events. And mm-hmm. they're grinding, they're hustling. And sometimes I'm, I like meet them. And I'm like, why are you in Chiang Mai? Like you need a, you should be in like at least Bangkok or Saigon or, you know, maybe New York. So do, what, what did they say? I guess. I think they just like, they're very self-starters. So they hustle hard, but they just work from home. <laughs> like they don't go to co-working spaces. They don't go to coffee shops. They mm. basically just work from home. They, they like Chiang Mai for, I don't, for other reasons, right? I guess they like the food. They like the environment. They're comfortable mm-hmm. there, but at the same time, they they don't really necessarily need other people around them uh, to mm-hmm. like to network or like you know or bounce ideas off of. But yeah. that's a very small percentage of people. I, I would say most people they they kind of like they need that external. Uh, they feed off that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I feel like um, for me, I do work alone a lot of times, but I've found that. The more I go to like networking events and the more I um, surround myself with people, like it just improves my um, progress, I guess, so much more. Like last weekend, I went to Pat Flynn's course creation workshop and it was like a three to four grand like workshop, basically. And we were all just hustling, like building out our courses, making sure we're doing it correctly. And to me, like the more I invest in myself and my business and the more I like surround myself with people like this, the more I'm going to grow. Cause like we can all talk about similar things. We can, we're all on kind of similar levels. Um, so I, I love that you are doing that mastermind like in Chiang Mai cause Pat Flynn has one too. Like he's doing a, he, he has his own mastermind that people have to apply to and pay for and only for people who make at least six figures a year too. So I think it just helps a lot with your growth when you're like surrounding yourself with similar minded people and similar level people. Yeah. I, I think it's, it, it's something that is needed, you know, like, 
because even if you are a self-starter, eventually you run out of ideas unless you're, you know, I guess, you know, if you're listening to podcasts and audiobooks uh, and going to conferences all the time, you, you'll get ideas from other places. But for a lot of us, it's really, you know, being in that group of, and especially in person, I, I think it, it it's so different doing it just online versus going to a conference, you know, that you, you know, I'm sure it wasn't cheap. It was, how much was the Pat Flynn conference workshop? Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was four grand, but if you were a couple, you could pay three grand each. So, yeah. And the thing is, you know, it sounds like it, it's a lot of money, but at the same time, mm-hmm. the cool thing about it is if you weren't going to get three grand worth of value or $4,000 worth of value, it wouldn't exist. People would it would just, people would not go. People would ask for their money back. Mm-hmm. And also, probably even you know more powerful is the people that are there or mm-hmm. they're dedicated like nobody's going to spend three or four thousand dollars to go somewhere if they're not serious if they're not if they don't have that you know mentality of saying i'm going to do whatever it takes to make this work yeah that's that's what i loved about it too that like i knew that these people were serious about it and they were a lot of them had like tons of followers they're already killing it um six figures or more seven figures maybe and it's just it's just nice to be around people who are trying to kind of do the same thing as you. So yeah, it was, it was really good. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I think the funny thing is like the, the Nomad Summit tickets are actually very cheap. You know, they start at less than $200 and includes lunch, includes all these things. Mm-hmm. And there's only two type of people when we survey them, either people who are like, wow, this was such a good value. You know, like I would have paid, you know, two, three times more for the, for the ticket. And then there's the people that, that are like, no, like I, I don't want to pay more than $5 to do, to do anything. Oh, really? And in the, you know, in the beginning, I used to try to like appease all the local, you know, people in Chiang Mai who are, you know, I don't even think they're, they're bootstrapping to me. Bootstrapping means you're actually doing something and you're, and you have a, a small runway of money. I would mm-hmm. consider those people now just like the cheap people who are just trying to live as cheap as possible, but they're not really doing anything. And the thing is, if we gave them free tickets or we gave them, you know, $5 tickets or even, you know, $25 tickets, they just wouldn't appreciate it as much. They wouldn't like, they wouldn't, they would just go and kind of waste everyone's time versus if people are paying two, $300 to go somewhere, at least they're going to, they're serious. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even in the the workshop, we talk about pricing our courses and like the perceived value is in, in the like the ticket price or like the, you know, the course price. So like if, if I spent like $20 on a course, I'm probably thinking, uh, this, this is probably not going to do that much for me. So I think, I think it's good that you're not pricing it at $5 or whatever, right? Um, you're attracting, I guess, more serious people. Um, do you find that like the people who attend are more newbies or are they like, is it a huge range? Yeah, it's a big mix. I would say it's it's almost 50-50, to be honest. Um, Chiang Mai probably attracts... Um, actually, you know what? Chiang Mai attracts kind of probably only 30% people who are brand new. And 70% of people either already have a business or they have something kind of started. The mm-hmm. one, the Nomad Summit that we had in Vegas and actually the one here in Cancun that we just had, that actually attracted a lot more people just starting out. Because I think a lot of people still had jobs in the U.S., and because it was close by, and they can just go for the mm-hmm. weekend, 
those mm-hmm. people, there was probably 70% of them who are just getting started for the very first time and just looking into it. But by the time mm-hmm. you get to Thailand, by the time you get to Chiang Mai, which is really mm-hmm. the mecca for digital nomads, and it's also an 18-hour flight from everywhere, yeah. by the time you get there, you've, you've probably you know, at least like started with something. That's true. Uh, it, was, it was interesting, though, when I went to that nomad summit... Um, I remember talking to someone and that person had like $500 in his pocket and just like a dream to come here or something. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I'm not that like risky. Like I'm, I'm a lot more risk averse, but that was, that was eye opening to me. I was, I was surprised by that. Do you, do you find you, you like see people like that there? You know, actually the, my podcast editor, this guy named Anthony, he would, I don't know if it was him that you met, but he, that's the same, his same story. He oh, had, really? Yeah. He had a couple hundred. a different person. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people like that. You know, he had a couple hundred bucks and he was like, I really want to come out and, and try this. Yeah. And he ended up, you know, uh, working for me for a while, uh, editing my podcast. And then he actually started kind of a podcast, uh, editing agency. And ironically, he moved back to New York because he wanted to hustle. He wanted to grow it bigger. Mm, okay that's cool yeah i mean i i also love that the whole digital nomad thing kind of gives you like a lot more opportunity i think too especially if you're just starting out if you have like no money saved whatever like that's that's a great place to start and you can build something huge there you know and then who knows afterwards you can move if you want to but i mean i respect the lifestyle too like if you want to not hustle and like you you kind of want to just be present live life fully like that like that's cool I, I like I definitely respect that too I think it's just like me at my age currently and my goals I, I just personally wanted to like come back and hustle so I like it and, and actually that's a good point about having kind of different goals for, for different people because it, yeah. it all kind of works but I think people need to figure out something that works for themselves so if I wanted to start a software company even though the main goal might be to go to Silicon Valley where the best talent is, mm-hmm. if I only had the runway to, you know, to go three months in San Francisco versus I can go a year in Texas, mm-hmm. it'd probably be smarter for me to start the, the company in Texas. And then as it grew, as we got more investors and we had more, more money, either we had cash flow or we had just a larger runway, then move to Silicon Valley where it's more expensive. And mm-hmm. I think it's the same with digital nomads is if you don't have much money saved up, you know, you literally just have a couple hundred bucks, you know, 500 bucks or a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. You probably don't want to quit your job and try to start a business while your rent is two grand or even one grand. You probably want to live in a cheap place like Thailand where your rent might be 300. And that way you have six months to try to get something to work versus, you know, one month or two months. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, when I, when I left, I was thinking it was a kind of a financially responsible decision um, because I knew it was like way cheaper living elsewhere. And um, I was I was living at home. I didn't want to rent because I wanted to kind of save money. Um, And I because I like had been living at home for so long, I was like, I feel like I deserve like this two year excursion. Like, I feel like I can quit my job, just like do this. And I thought it was like a financially responsible thing. If you're trying to build a business, you don't want like ridiculously high expenses. Like being in the Bay Area is not smart at all. <laughs> like if you're if you're just starting out, you know, um, and you don't have any connections, like it's not. I don't think it's a good idea to move here with nothing, and you're not planning to like 
have a job or anything. And Chiang Mai really like gives you opportunity because it's, I, I think I spent like 600 a month in Chiang Mai. Um, like that was like the cheapest place. I feel like one of the cheapest places I've ever been to kind of. And it, yeah, it's great. I, I spent like 1400 a month overall. And that's like less than, um, that's less than SF rent by like, it's like half the SF rent if you were to have your own place, you know? Yeah. So you, you were spending 1400 uh, per month in total. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Total like flights, accommodations, like going out, having like eating food, whatever, like everything. So it was crazy. Yeah. And that's basically what I was spending, what I've been spending recently in Chiang Mai as well. Actually, sometimes I spend less, but I spend anywhere between a thousand to about fourteen or fifteen hundred, but when I was really bootstrapping and I was just starting, I was spending mm-hmm. six hundred dollars a month in total. My my rent yeah. my rent was less than two hundred, and then I had you know gym membership, co working space membership. I only ate Thai food for two dollars a meal, and that was it. Six hundred bucks a month. Yeah, it was the same for me. It was, it was crazy, and it was it wasn't even like I was trying to budget. Like I just didn't feel like going on drinking or anything. I just but I ate out every day. Like I have my own place, whatever. So 600 actually gets you quite a lot in Chiang Mai. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good life. I mean, it's literally eating in a restaurant three meals a day and it's just local Thai food, but it's great. It's tasty. It's having someone, you know, you're living in the city center where you can just walk everywhere. It's having someone come clean your room probably like, you know, every other week. And when you want to do laundry, you would just drop it off and have someone do laundry for you. I mean, that you know, yeah, and you could probably mm-hmm. even get a massage like every week for that six hundred dollar a month budget. Yeah, I was doing that. It was like six dollars a massage, and it was like right below where I was staying. So I was like, "Oh, this is so chill." Are you Are you planning to go back soon? Yeah, so I'll be back around December tenth, and I'm staying for two months because the next Nomad Summit is going to be January seventeenth through the twenty first, two thousand twenty, in, in Chiang Mai. So I'm going to be back a month before that just to prepare. Oh, cool. Okay, that's really soon. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking about cuz I asked you too. I was like, "Oh, are you are you getting speakers and are you um opening those applications?" I was like, mm, "Maybe I'll, I'll do that." But you know, we'll see. Yeah, send an application. Uh if, if you guys are listening at home, if you know of anyone who wants to apply, if you guys want to apply yourself, just go to nomadsummit.com and there's a speakers application button. But uh I wanted to rewind and kind of hear more about your story. So you grew up in the Bay Area, and then what like what made you decide to go on this nomad journey in the first place. Yeah, so I have been living in the Bay Area like all my life. I did I was born in Hong Kong, moved when I was like two, but like besides that, I was like in the Bay Area for like 20, 20 something years. I went to Berkeley. It was all in the Bay Area, right? So just felt like, you know, I needed a change and I had been working in marketing for like four years at the time and and just going to the same place like every day and like it was it was a cool opportunity and I was happy about my job. It wasn't like a bad job. I just wanted to see the world. And um, in 2014, I actually did a solo Europe trip. Um, and I think it just like really opened my eyes to a lot of people pursuing their passions, like really living life. And I just felt like I was missing out on a lot. So I was like, okay, I need to make this kind of a reality. So I started studying like books and blogs and like I bought over 20 books, just like studying online business type of stuff. And actually at first I was trying to get into like real estate investment. I have a rental property, um, but I was like, okay, I should 
take more strides, like go to more meetups, like start looking into this. Um, just ended up falling into online business though more. And I was like, whoa, I didn't realize there's so many passive income opportunities. Then I fell into the whole digital nomad thing. and I didn't even know that that was like a thing. So I just like, I just was like obsessed with it. I was like studying it for so long. And then I decided, you know, what? I'm going to like book a plane ticket. I didn't even tell anyone I only told like one of my closest friends I'm like yo I'm gonna do this <laughs> like maybe six months out or something I had booked it and I was like if if I don't do it then I don't do it it was just like a cheap flight to like Stockholm but if I did like that'd be dope <laughs> and like I could see if there was any life I'm missing out on and if um I want to keep doing that forever or if I want to come back but like if I don't do it I'm just gonna like regret it so, like, up to that point, I was just, like, hustling, um, working on building passive income streams. I started with, like, Etsy and Kindle, and then, um, yeah, I was also taking more, like, remote position or, like, part-time remote positions in marketing. So, I took, like, two or two or three more part-time remote positions while I was working full-time and I was, like, building passive income. So, it was, like, pretty crazy. Wow. That kind of helped. Yeah, that kind of helped me transition though. I'm very risk averse and I save like a lot. So, you know, I, I'm like, I was living at home. I saved a lot of money and I was like, yo, I'm just going to like get more income. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to save a lot more. I'm going to book everything in advance too. I booked like six months of accommodations and flights already like before I even left. I was just being very safe with it because it was kind of, it felt, you know, no one was doing it around me. So I was just like, All right, I got to prepare as much as I can. Wow. So when I left, yeah, when I left, uh, I still had like three or four like remote positions. Like my full time job was letting me work remotely, too, because they were like, yeah, we still need help. So I worked remotely for a bit and then I transitioned fully to passive income as I started making it. So that's cool. That, that That's a lot to unwrap. But I, I think <laughs> it's it's really cool that I mean, that first solo backpacking trip or traveling trip, but were you just like backpacking? Were you just like a traveler? Um, I never really backpack. I always like bring a like a carry on suitcase or anything like, and I just go to like hostels and hotels and stuff like that. But yeah, it was it was by myself. I went to where I go like Rome or no Milan and Venice and then Prague. Um, shoot, I don't even remember. And I think London too. Um, just like random places, but. It just opened my eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, like, was it just a sightsee or like, what, like, what was your, your drive uh, behind <laughs> that trip? It was funny because I just saw some deal like on slick deals. The the flights were like two hundred bucks for like I could go to Europe and then it'll take me to Hong Kong after and like that was all two hundred bucks. So I was like, I might as well book this. And I booked it with a friend, but like her plans fell through or something, so I just ended up going myself. That's cool that you didn't let her like her cancellation affect you? Cause there's a lot of people that would have just said, Oh, well, like I can't go now because my friend canceled. Yeah. I'm, I'm very like, I like doing stuff on myself. Um, I, to this day, like I didn't really tell my parents that it was by myself. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, the whole time I think they thought yeah, it was with a friend. They were like worried and stuff, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm going with a friend. Like we good. But, but it was actually like myself and, um, yeah, I just I just like go to movie theaters by myself. I go like eat by myself a lot, and um, or at least I used to a lot. And I I don't mind, and I actually prefer solo traveling. Like especially after that solo Europe trip, I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going by myself. I prefer that over like a bunch of friends. Like sometimes I like that, but it just depends on my 
kind of mood, right? If I'm just like going with friends, then that's like usually just like hanging out with them in another place versus like going by myself and like immersing myself in the culture and like learning more. Were you always like that? Because there's a lot of people, I would say most people wouldn't like they, they would not be comfortable eating in a restaurant by themselves or going to a movie theater by themselves. Yeah, I think I've always been like that. And people always think it's weird, but like for me, I'm like introverted and I prefer that because I don't have to worry about like what other people think and, in the in in a sense of if I'm with like friends, like I have to worry about keeping up a conversation. I have to like, like entertain someone else. Sometimes like sometimes I just want to be by myself and like just eat a meal or like watch something. Like I don't I don't think it's like a weird thing in my opinion. I don't know. I think that's cool. It, it took me a long time to be comfortable eating by myself. I, I think mm-hmm. growing up in the U.S., I had such kind of societal pressures where I felt like I was a loser if I was seen you know eating by myself or just uncomfortable. You know, it, it literally took me a 10 days silent meditation to, to get over that. But, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now that I've gone through it, I actually don't mind it at all. Oh. Yeah. I think it's more like, I think now it's more common. I remember when I was little, like I was with my family and we went to some restaurant and the lines were like hella long. And I was like, dude, I'm just going to go eat by myself. Like I was like a little kid and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Ugh. And I literally like went and they like looked and I was like, actually just like eating by myself at some nice restaurant and they're like all right whatever yeah like i don't know i guess it's just been something that i like like to do i don't know what's well, this it's a good quality that, that you had and also i think it was a cool quality that during that trip i think a lot of people would have you know saw europe partied a bit and be like okay that's cool let me go back to my normal life what during that trip inspired you to buy those 20 books and decide hey i, I want to take this next step i want to be able to do this again yeah, I just ha- I feel like I had this fear that like, oh, I'm going to be at a job the rest of my life. And, um, you know, when you're like older and like you have a family, everything like it's way harder to be able to like go travel and stuff. So I was like, I need to make a life where I don't have to ever worry about my finances again. Like I don't even have to think about money in the future. Like that's still my goal. Like um, I have passive income coming in, but I want to like increase that even more where I don't ever have to really like think about it I don't have to you know if I want to buy something I'll buy something but like I'm still very like kind of frugal like I I don't spend much because I don't feel like there's anything to spend on like I don't like there it doesn't bring me joy to like buy like a bunch of like a bunch of stuff right but um but regardless like I don't want to have to worry about it if I had kids or like you know sending them to college and like doing whatever like I've I just, you know, that's, that's a big thing. So I was like, you know, I I can spend this next year, um, grinding it out and like building something. And if I like it, I'll keep going. So I ended up doing it for like two years. Um, but that, that, that was the idea. Like I want to still like remove that financial restriction so I can like do cool stuff, like build cool stuff, um, pursue my dreams, like do what I want. So that's another super cool quality about you because I, I know growing up in the Bay area, especially as an Asian American, I was surrounded by people who just wanted a coach purse or Louis Vuitton. Like, were you not surrounded by that? Um, I think, I think I know people who are like into that, but I feel like I surround myself with friends who like get it too. Cause I'm all about, um, I'm all about creating. And I think I like end up like attracting the people who are like that too. And like, you know, I, I, I try to surround myself with like-minded people, um, so I think the people I surround myself with are more about like 
building passive income streams, like creating, um, creating a brand, creating something impactful, like helping others. And so I try to surround myself with that, you know, I love that. And, and so during that, you know, after that first trip, you bought the 20 books. Do you remember what some of them were? Um, they were like random ones first. Cause like some were like marketing related. I think one was like traction. That was like a startup B book. Um, one of them, you know, like rich dad, poor dad, four hour work week were like the common ones. Um, I, I got like random books about like building and websites. Like you can tell it was one of those Kindle books that like some Kindlepreneur decided to make that was like 14,000 words or something. And it was like, I, I bought one of those. And for some reason that actually like sparked a lot of thoughts too of like, Oh, this is, this is interesting. Like this is like an alternate way of doing things. He was just like building um, sites for people on like Craigslist or something. He would just be like, Hey, I can build a site for you. And all you got to do is like use WordPress and do this and this and that. And he was just like showing how easy it is. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. That's like another way of hustling. And then I remember like going on Twitter and like finding out this, um, this woman named Sharon Gourlay, like another Sharon. And she, she was a digital nomad. She had a digital nomad family thing. And, um, that's like, I ended up reaching out to her. I was like, Oh my God, like, that's so cool. And I asked her questions about SEO and like blogging and stuff. And she was like kind enough to respond to everything about nomading and blogging and everything. And yeah, so those were some of the resources I like ended up stumbling upon. I love it. And what was your kind of the first business that you started and kind of how did that do? Like, like what, what was the first kind of monies you made online? Yeah. So the first one I did was Etsy actually. So I don't know how I came across it, but I was thinking, Oh, I can sell like digital downloads on Etsy. And I feel like that wasn't common at all. Like I, I know, I don't know anyone who was doing that back then or whatever. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to try this out. And that started making money. So I just like, I was like, all right, even like it was like $50 a month or something like when I was uh, in September of like 2015 or something. And I hadn't left yet, but I was like, wait, that actually like this sells like this works. So this is pretty cool. And I like to do graphic design on Photoshop. So it was like fun, like making templates for people. I was making like Photoshop templates for people. And then I just was like, all right, I'm going to try this one out. And I was focusing on that while I was like blogging too, because I had heard so much about blogging. And I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to document my journey while I'm doing this. So I use it as a place to like vent and stuff. <laughs> so like I, my digital nomad quest site, right? I was like, oh man, like I hate work. <laughs> like I want to leave. Um, I was like just doing that. But then I started documenting like how I was making passive income and more people started reading it. So yeah, I mean, anyway, I was like jumping, but like the first one was Etsy basically. That's cool. And how did it feel when you, when you started making even like, 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 yeah, when you, like when you made, made your first sale, when you made your first $50, how did that feel? Yeah. I think everyone always says like that first sale, even when it's like, like, you know, five bucks or something, people are just like, Oh my God, this is possible. And that was the same feeling for me too. I had made money online before, like, but I was like doing music on YouTube and stuff and um, people were paying me on Patreon and stuff. So like, I kind of knew the feeling, but like something about doing it on like Etsy and like making something and people buying that was like a really cool feeling. And, um, I, yeah, I mean, I was able to hit like a grand a month, um, with Etsy and it's, it's still going like to this day and it's, it's a great means of passive income. Wow. Great job. And how did you figure that out? Did you, did you take a course? Did you read a book? Like, like how did you figure out how to do that? 
I actually just like kept grinding it, but I made like mistakes along the way. I actually, I actually have a course called the Etsy Entrepreneur, and that's on digitalnomadquest.com. Um, but yeah, like basically, yeah, I, I learned it through experience, but like I realized there's so many things I could have done that would have saved ton of time. So that that course kind of uh, covers everything I know, basically. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm assuming yeah. it's something that you wish existed when you had started. Definitely. And I now I realize like the importance of investing in yourself. That's why I took the, you know, the Pat Flynn workshop. I started going to a bunch of conferences. Um, I bought a ton of courses and it's like so much easier when you invest in yourself and your business and you like make sure you don't make the same mistakes as other people. You just waste so much more time when you're trying to like figure out yourself. Yeah. I'm I'm a big believer that of that too. Like every course I've ever bought that I've actually gone through them and I've always made like what, like my money back like 10 or even a hundred fold. I mean, it it can be something as simple as like a course, you know, uh, that I bought on how to edit podcasts and Mm -hmm. that helped me so much. Like the, the audio quality, the, just kind of the headaches, but also if I wanted to, I can easily turn this into a business as well. Like it's it's not something I want to focus on, but I'm like, okay, like this is a valuable lesson that if I wish I would have learned in school, you know, this would have been a cool course. You know, the mm-hmm. dropshipping course that I took, you know, mm-hmm. even though it's expensive, it was it's like fifteen hundred dollars now. Mm-hmm. That course has now made me like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and like mm-hmm. the fr- from what I've learned from it of building the businesses, and it's like if I tried to figure that out on my own. Either it would have taken me much, much longer. Either I would have made a ton of mistakes and lost money. Or like I think the worst thing that could have happened was I would have just gave up. I would have just got stuck somewhere. And because I would have nowhere to turn to, I would have just been like, all right, well, let me just move on to the next thing. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, like basically courses just package everything you need to know in like one source. And I feel like when you're always trying to look for free stuff all the time, it just takes so much longer and you don't know what you don't know. And I think that's when I first started, like the first two years or whatever, I, I basically just kept trying to do the free materials. But then I realized, like, I read some book where they were saying you should invest 3% of your income into yourself and increase that, like, if you need to, um, more and more. And that should kind of like uh promote your growth like if you if you invest more you're supp- you're supposed to grow like a lot faster and i think that's really true i think once i started investing in courses and books and conferences and everything i've definitely grown massively like with my brand and blog and everything so yeah i, I definitely agree and it's almost crazy like all the very successful people that i i've spoken to or i've interviewed they all have that in common they they've all spent money on themselves and mm-hmm. the vast majority of people who say nothing works or they just complain and kind of just bitch all the time, especially mm-hmm. online, there are people who are too cheap to buy anything. Like they won't even buy a $10 book, you know? Yeah. No, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I definitely think um, you have to really invest in yourself. And um, I feel like, you know, when you start to kind of uh, like, you start to stop growing kind of thing. Like that's when you need to like look for more resources and look for more to kind of grow exponentially. Um, I mean, that's also a reason coming back, right? I was like, all right, I need to grow faster. Like what can I do? So, you know, I came back, invested in myself a lot more and I don't regret that. 
I love it. And I guess the kind of the next big big chapter for you. But just to kind of rewind a little bit on the the kind of nomading part. Did mm-hmm. like so when you started making a thousand dollars a month, were you like, okay, I can easily just move to Chiang Mai or to start this nomad journey? Or did you start another business before you went? Oh, I actually like left before it even hit that point. Like it took me a while even to get there, which um, because what I told you is I, I took those remote positions, right? So I had only like a little bit of passive income coming in, but I knew it was possible from like hearing it from all these people. And I, I already saw like sales coming in with Kindle and Etsy. So I was like, okay, this works. And I have these marketing positions that make me money. Like, like if I have to work actively. Right. So, um, I was doing that while I was building my Etsy channel and my, um, blog and everything. And then after kind of like, uh, after my Etsy thing, like after I realized, okay, this works after I hit that 1000 a month point, I was like, all right, let's see what else I can do. And I ended up going to, uh, merch by Amazon and Amazon FBA. Um, and that makes me about the same, like, Oh, like, uh, one, one to 2000 a month or basically. So, yeah. So I, I feel like everything works and you just have to like focus on it. Yeah. You know, that's actually a really good point that you made is I think the biggest fear before, or the, the, the hardest part five years ago, before there was podcasts, before there was, you know, uh, like you, you know, popular YouTube channels before there was the digital nomad, you know, like movement and also the nomad summit it was hard to even find one thing that would work. And there's no information out there. People were doing things, but there's just no info on it. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is there's just too much information. And people just, like, they don't focus. They, they don't just pick something. They, they, you know, they hear about something, they research the crap out of it, and then they look for all the reasons why they can't do it, and then they move on to the next thing. <laughs> and yeah. it's just a cycle. Yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, I was hosting meetups around here and um, people who came, they were like getting started with like, they're like, yeah, I want to get started in Amazon FBA. And then like a few mu- like meetups afterwards, they're like, yeah, I'm going to change my route. And and like uh, or, you know, a lot of people were like jumping ideas like all the time and they couldn't focus. And I to me I'm like all right let's let's try one thing let's see if that works and then let's move on to another thing and see if that works and um yeah you know like I'm I'm all about focus then mastery then like trying to keep learning so yeah I, I definitely agree and I think I, I think that number that you said that thousand is a mm-hmm. good number I, I think like whatever business someone gets into mm-hmm. do it all the way until you make at least a thousand dollars and then once you do then you can reevaluate and say, okay, is this something I want to continue growing and putting my time and effort into? Or do I want to just pivot and do something else now? And at that point, because you have money coming in, like a significant amount of money, and that means that you've not only actually like put in the effort it takes to do it, but also, you know, you see it's working. And then you can really rationalize and decide, okay, is it is there really a better opportunity doing something else, or should I just stick to this? Yeah, I agree with that. And I, even like that little, like that amount can uh, support you in a lot of digital nomading, like Southeast Asia and stuff. You could literally cover, you know, we're, we're spending 600 a month 
you know, and you can cover that, right? So, so if you hit that point, like that's great, and you can see if you want to continue or pivot. Yeah, for yeah, sure. definitely. So uh, d- during that that two year journey, you you spent four months in Chiang Mai, and then where else were you? So yeah, like rewinding, I I started in Stockholm, just was there for a few nights, and then I went to Athens, Greece, for like a month, and then I went to like Bucharest. That was like. Uh, I loved Bucharest because I ended up making a lot of close friends there that I still uh, talk to to this day. And um, even like at my current position, I ended up hiring one of my friends like for design and or like illustration work and stuff like that. So like we're all still really close friends. Um, and then, yeah, and, I moved and, to. Like, yeah, sorry. I guess in all these places, like how were you meeting people? Were you joining co-working spaces? Were you going to meetups? Um, I did co-working, but like I ended up stopping that because I realized I could do work at cafes too. Like I, I, I advocate it though. Like I think it's great, but I was like, uh, I, I can meet people in Facebook groups and, and on like nomad list and stuff. Um, I, I found that when I went to co-working spaces at some places, they were like all locals and they were all like quietly working and I couldn't really meet them, um, that way as, as well. But like, it is one of the ways to meet people for sure, but I definitely used nomad lists and Facebook groups the most. Okay, great. So mm-hmm. you went to Athens and then you went to Romania and then what was that next after that? Yeah. Um, and then I went to Lisbon. Um, I also went a few nights in Berlin and London. Yeah. Uh, I think those were mainly the ones in Europe. And then I moved to like Asia and I went to Hong Kong, Taiwan, um vietnam korea like i went all over um but then like when i went to chiang mai i was like oh like there's a lot of nomads here which is pretty cool and i hadn't seen that um in other places as much i I chose kind of random places i think (laughs) but um i think like yeah i think chiang mai is a great place to start and if people want to start there that's like a good place to start um i'm curious what was kind of your rationale between choosing these spaces was it more like tourism wise like you wanted to see them or like were, were there like how did you choose these random places yeah uh i use nomad list and numbio.com and i was kind of seeing like oh are these places fun are these places like safe like i was just looking that way and i was um i was like all right it looks like they're cool <laughs> um but yeah i think i i i still like the places i chose but I don't think I choose it out of like, oh, I really want to see these places. I've been, I've, I've traveled a good amount, and I do feel like for me, the enjoyment is talking to people in these places. It's not for me to like go see some like attraction or anything. Like I, I don't know why, but I don't really care that much. So when I go, like I just like go to a cafe, I just walk around, and then I save maybe like the last week of that month to like go do the sightseeing like that I'm supposed to, but mostly out of like i feel like i should not because i'm like excited to do it <laughs> hmm. well i guess the, the the question would be like why even travel then like why why do you even go to these places well for me it was you know like talking to these locals like that's that's what like is really cool for me like seeing the stuff like while i'm walking down the street and then like talking to people versus like oh i need to go see this like attraction mm. you know what i mean okay so it's like less about seeing like the the postcard, the, you know, the touristy stuff, yeah, 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 and more about the local day to day culture. I think so. I think it's like fun to learn like new uh, ways of living, and I learned a lot from that, and it opened my eyes a lot. I think um, some some people were making like six hundred a month, like as a local, and and that was like eye opening to me because I didn't know that like people would make 
that much and then like they they were kind of struggling with paying their bills and all this stuff and they were working these jobs and I was just talking to some of these people like till like late at night you know it was really interesting to hear that and I was like appreciating like being from the U.S. like I realized like you can have a lot of opportunities just being from here and being English speaking and even like you know online business stuff like they they definitely prioritize U.S. citizens and like some people can't even get access to some of the platforms because they're from other countries like and if you're trying to rank a blog or something like it's a lot harder when you're like from a different country and you're trying to rank for U.S. so it's like I didn't realize oh it's like it's like a lot harder than I thought to like come up from like anywhere you know what I mean so I always thought hey if you just hustle you'll figure it out but like I realized there are a lot of disadvantages and I was just like, damn, I'm privileged. You yeah, know? <laughs> we definitely do yeah. have a lot of privilege, you know, being native English speaking and also just being from the U.S. itself. But I also mm-hmm. think that everyone has their own privileges and their own advantages. And True. Most of us don't take advantage of them. You know, like, yeah. for example, people who grew up in Thailand, maybe they don't have the privilege of speaking English as the first language. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they don't have the privilege of, you know, um, kind of like the kind of some of the Western things that you had mentioned but they have things like growing up with the most amazing sea, like the most amazing oceans yeah. and, and wildlife. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like most Thai people that I know don't even go in the ocean. Like they oh, don't even they don't even go to the beach because mm-hmm. they, you know they don't want to get dark. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe they don't they don't like want to swim. And it's like we we all have. I, I think I mean I, I guess the the what I was trying to trying to say is. There's so many Americans who grew up with these privileges and they don't take advantage of it either. That's true, actually. I I guess I was like one of my thoughts, though, when I was traveling was that a lot of these people seem really happy, though, too. Like, I I thought they were actually way more present than like where I'm from, like where I'm from, everyone's thinking of the future and like trying to hustle for the future. And then I see a lot of these people actually enjoying life. So that was actually my opinion when I was abroad, I was like, well, like maybe um, there's no right way of living is what I was kind of thinking yeah. too. I was like, dude, these people are like living the dream actually. Like if they're so happy and if they're like um, being so present, I'm like, damn, like I need to be more like that, you know? I, I definitely agree. And I think people have different like priorities. I think anyone who thinks it's impossible to live off of $1,000 a month or let's say even $1,500 a month has never travel outside of the US. I mean, there's yeah. there's mm-hmm. like I, th- I think someone wrote once on on Twitter saying, you know, like everyone should be able to live off $1,500 a month after tax. And mm. so many people replied saying like you know, but my rent, you know, my rent is, you know, 2 grand or my mortgage is 4 grand or you're crazy because I have this, I have this. And everybody has all mm-hmm. these, you know, reasons and excuses why they can't do that. Mm. But most of the world lives off of less than a thousand five hundred a month like most most of the world is off off of less than a thousand a month and they make it work there's no reason why we can't i mean we can choose not to you know by having you know a two three bedroom place for ourselves to have guest rooms and and you know an extra car Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's not necessary like we could live with less yeah i think there's also a limit though too because like the bay area is super expensive you know and yeah like I I do feel like we do have an advantage. We have more income coming in, but 
I do feel like we do need to spend more here. But like if if you left, you know, if you travel to another country that's like way cheaper, yeah, you can definitely survive on that. Yeah, amount, you know, and live you know. well actually. Or even just not live in the Bay Area. I mean, like it's a choice, you know, that we're there. I mean, and some people, you know, might have their you know reasons or excuses like, oh, my whole family's there, I grew up there. But you know, here's the thing: is like it's a choice to stay. You know, mm-hmm. and I liked you know living in San Francisco, but. Mm-hmm. I also realized this is not, it's like, for me, it's not worth it. Like, I'm not in tech. I don't, I don't like the, the network that I'm getting there isn't the type of people that is like driving me and, and what I want to do. Yeah. So I'm like, why should I spend, you know, two grand a month on rent or, or, you know, four grand a month just to live? Like, I'm just, you know, and pay California taxes. Like, for me, it's just not worth it. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, you know, you should go to a place or live in a place based on your, like, you know, your interests, your values and whatever. And, you know, if you're not a tech person, why go to the Bay Area at all? And it should really just be about that versus like money. And like, you should, you should have that drive you, you know? Yeah. I think there was a saying that says, you know, we should just go where we're treated best and also where our money like goes the furthest for us. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean just live in the cheapest places in the world. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's one thing I don't like about Nomad List is they list all these random places, you know, through an algorithm. And it's, it's a computer algorithm. It's not like a person curating it or anything. And mm-hmm. I look at it like, you know, every month it changes. I'm like, I'm like, wh- I'm like, why, you know, why are these places at the top four? Like, I would not want to live there, you know, mm-hmm. versus like, why is Chiang Mai now always number like 10, you know, like for, for a new digital nomad who's bootstrapping, it should be number one, if not top three. That's true, actually. I wonder how they, you know, who who rates it, like, for the fun factors and for the, is it, is it like, digital nomads vote? or? It's it's a vote, but I think it's mostly an algorithm. Uh, so, I don't know. Oh, like, yeah. I, I don't really know how it works, but, like, I, I, just, I know that, like, when I look at it, I'm like, you know what, like, like, this isn't, like, this is not accurate like as someone who's been to those places i'm like that would not be my list i should probably make mm-hmm. my, my make my own like johnny <laughs> yeah. like nomad destination list one day but it's also hard because i know it's it, it's it it's so dependent on the person where they're all they are they're not necessarily their age but where they are in life their income level what their goals are what they appreciate what they love like for example if I really loved the beach and I really valued being in the U.S. time zone and being close to, you know, the U.S. to get home and I really mm. valued going out, you know, for beers and, you know, great Mexican food, then Playa del Carmen would be number one on my list. But mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you don't value those things, if you like really like mountains, you know, if you really like big cities or if you really, you know, you don't care about the, the time zone, then it would be on the bottom of your list. So, like, it depends yeah. so much on who you are and what your 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 goals are. I mean, I do appreciate the nomad list of giving you me a basic guideline, kind of, or basic framework, um, especially if you don't know anything about it. But I definitely feel like the most ideal situation would be someone working with you and like gauging what your actual interests are and then like going from there it's kind of hard to create like a whole system that's more like automated like that where you can like really tailor it to your specific needs yeah somebody should make a make something where like you answer like a survey of like what do you prefer like beach mountain city but at the same time it also changes like we're you know like for me i like the beach and i like Mm -hmm. i like being by the beach you know 
one month of the year, but I don't want, I don't need to be by the beach all year round, you know? Yeah. No, I agree with that. I, I'm the same way. I need, um, I need kind of both of like city life and beach life. So I get that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm you should gonna, make that. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not going to make it, but I feel yeah. like my blogs and my YouTube videos are really like me showing like cities for, for what they are. My income reports every month kind of show like how much I'm spending in each place. And I feel like it, it takes a little, a little bit, a little bit more work to read the whole post or kind of follow the journey. But if they do, they should be able to figure out like what a place is like and then decide for themselves. Okay. Like this is what it's like. This is what Johnny likes about it. What he doesn't, this is how much he spent. Like now I know, you know, this place is for me or not. Yeah. So, I mean, are you planning to continue with the blog and podcast? Like, what are your goals? I'm just curious. Yeah, so I, I love the blog and podcast. Not necessarily make money. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the po- I don't think the podcast has ever made money, but okay. I, I just love doing it. I love it as an excuse to sit down and connect with people and really have these deep conversations. I love it as a way, you know, to I don't want to say pick someone's brain because I hate that term because it's usually just a waste of that person's time. But if it's recorded on a podcast format where thousands of people get to listen to it, then it's worth it. You know, like if somebody you know, wants to pick my brain on their podcast, I'm happy to do it. If someone wants to pick my brain over coffee and chances are they're never going to do anything with what they learn from it, like there's no way I'm going to waste my time sitting with them. So this is why what I like about having a podcast is it's a platform that benefits everyone. You know, it benefits me for, you know, like having a deeper connection and be able to ask people the questions that I want to ask and learn and grow with them. But also it benefits the people listening to it. So you guys listening, if you guys like this, share it with your friends, subscribe, you know, rate it on, rate it on iTunes, rate it kind of wherever you are. You know, like that's why I have it is because I really love it. Yeah, I, I definitely think these podcasts will like benefit a lot of people. Do you do you listen to podcasts on the regular? Yeah, I listen to tons of podcasts. I, I never listen to music. The only time I ever, ever listen to music is when I'm working out at the gym, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, and like if I'm walking around, I'll either listen to an audiobook. Uh, lately, I've been listening to a lot of language learning audio courses. Uh, nice. Uh, you know, here in, in Spain, I'm listening to Michelle Thomas to, to learn Spanish, you know, to practice my Spanish at least. And then when I'm in Eastern Europe, I'm listening to Pimsler to learn Russian. <laughs> so, oh wow, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's such a waste of time to to listen to music. I don't even have Spotify. Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite because, <laughs> but it's also because I make music and stuff and I'm like a singer songwriter person. Um, but I am trying to do more podcast listening. It's I, I definitely think if you like replace it more with podcasts, you'd probably learn way more while you're commuting, whatever, like it'd be a good way to soak in information. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think the reason why I like the podcast format, it's more of a, an interesting conversation, you know, versus just like an audiobook. Sometimes it's just too much info where I can't relax. I can't like, you know, I can't focus on doing, you know, cooking or, you know, or even walking sometimes. If I'm listening to an audiobook, I'm just like, I'm just focused on the 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 note taking so much that it's not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Versus a podcast, yeah. it's like you're learning, but you're also, you know, getting entertained at the same time. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, I I'm definitely trying to create more podcast episodes. Like I I do the YouTube thing, but I also just like take the audio from the YouTube and like put it in podcast form. It seems like people actually like 
listen to that as like as well maybe they prefer that when they're commuting and whatever so yeah i'm trying to make more helpful content for sure yeah i, I definitely think podcasts are the future i mean right now it's still only like 10 percent of americans even listen to podcasts and it's crazy because once people start it takes over versus yeah. but there's so many people who just don't even know the concept of it yet which is insane yeah, I, I mean, I do think, yeah, a lot of people are getting into it. And I see a lot of celebrities actually, like, making their own podcasts now. Even, like, T.I., I saw on his YouTube, like, he started making podcasts as well. And I'm like, damn, it's it's definitely getting popular. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think long-form content and being able to have, a, you know, a real voice is, is king. I mean, like, when you watch, like, I, I don't watch the news at all. And I also don't watch... You know, those TV shows where they have on a guest for three minutes, you know, and they just have, yeah. you know, get a couple sound bites. I think it's such a waste of time. You don't get to know the person. You don't like know anything about them. And it just this, like, it, it sounds like torture. You know, it's like people who go on a, on a tour across the U.S., you know, for their new book launch or a new movie coming out and they have the same three minutes or like this rehearsed thing on, you know, on a TV show. It's like, to me, it's, it's so fake. It's not, you know, it's it's not a real connection. While podcast, yeah. you can only fake a few minutes. You know, you can only rehearse a few minutes of what you're gonna say. The rest of it's natural. That's you. Yeah, no, definitely. What are your, what are your goals with your podcast? You know, I don't have any goals with the podcast. It's really just to keep it consistent because sometimes I, you know, I apologize to everyone. Like for, for like a month, I didn't record an episode because I was busy with the Nomad Summit, and then you know being in Cancun, but. Once I force myself to sit down and do them again, I realize it's it's something I really enjoy doing, and also it's a good way to connect with with everyone. You know, everyone everyone who listens, like the people. It's funny the people that recognize me, like at an airport or walking around. It's always through my YouTube channel because you know you see my face and it's kind of something fun. But the people that message me saying, "Hey, Johnny, you really changed my life." You know, like I want to thank you. It's always because they listen to the podcast and, and they listen to multiple episodes and a lot of them started from the beginning from podcast one and they listen all the way to 236 wow. now. And those yeah. are the people who really end up taking action because it's, it's useful content where I guarantee if anyone actually went through and listened to, you know, 10 episodes and chose one path of one thing they connected well with and actually did the work that's required, they'd be successful. Mm -hmm. You know, they would make a thousand bucks a month easily doing whatever it is. Maybe they'd make 10,000 or a hundred thousand. And, and it's amazing when I get these messages from people saying, Hey, you know, I started listening to podcast a year ago and now I'm at this point, you know, and yeah, it's like, yeah. I really enjoy it. Yeah, no, I, I love that you're like doing this for just like the enjoyment factor and like helping others, you know, like this and the, the summits, it seems like you're saying you kind of break even on those and you're just actually just trying to help people and trying to um, connect with people. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, eventually I would like to make money from it. I mean, this last cocoon one, we lost mm -hmm. almost $8,000, oh, which mm -hmm. sucks, you know, but a yeah. lot of it was because I'm, I'm paying three uh, people kind of, you know, month to month in between summits to do marketing and to do kind of outreach and kind of different things. Mm -hmm. And I think we just had too much time between the last one, you know, which is kind of why there was such a a, a negative. But mm -hmm. the people that went loved it so much, and I really feel like it can have potential to, you know, make you know hopefully a good amount of money where it can you know just fund itself. Where instead of paying you know three people part time, we can have 
five or ten people full time you know like it'd be really really cool to get to that point yeah i know definitely that'd be awesome yeah i love it and what about you like what are your like what are you what are you up to now like what are your goals yeah, so I'm currently, you know, I said like mark, uh, working at the startup as a marketing manager, um, and we're we're trying to build a like social media platform and um, to actually like connect others with people who vibe with you, and then actually get them together in real life towards like meaningful causes and stuff. So I think that's gonna be really awesome. Um, but also on the side, like I'm really focused on building my brand, like my blog, YouTube and podcasts. So my blog is digitalnomadquest.com. Um, my YouTube is under my name, Sharon Sung. And then the the podcast is Digital Nomad Podcast with Sharon Sung. So I, it's kind of the same thing as you. Like I love, you know, helping people try to design their lives. Like I'm all about um, getting people inspired to like, you know, take hold of your life and actually like live the life of your dreams. And I think the first step is really to manage your finances and like, um, remove those financial like restrictions and build these passive income businesses. So, um, that's kind of a big thing where it's kind of like you where like actually enjoy like creating this content and it's like fulfilling, you know? So that's a big reason why I like moved more off those marketplaces of Etsy and Amazon. And I'm more focused on building my brand though. I'm actually, um, starting up Amazon FBA again, like I'm inspired to do that as well as, um, real estate investing actually so that's another thing like me and my boyfriend are kind of working on both of these things so so i'm kind of doing a lot of things right now but um i think a big thing is really to like teach people how to do the same things i think it's super cool and i like that you've actually done it yourself first and you didn't just jump straight into teaching which is something that you know i always kind of yeah it's weird shy away from yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you definitely have to kind of like do it and like deliver results or otherwise, like, why would anyone listen to you, you know? Yeah, you know, but that, that's a, the big reason I don't like Bali. And it was like the first thing people do. They're like, <laughs> oh, I should become a life coach. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, life coach, I guess, is kind of different. But then at the same time, it feels like you need more credentials to be able to, like, speak on that. It's kind of – it is weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but – I I I really I'm really glad that we connected and that we took the time to to chat again because it was fun hanging out in San Francisco and it's kind of been really fun kind of hearing your story and how you progressed uh, mm-hmm. and I th- I think you're up to really cool things and I think it's really cool kind of hearing from someone who went through two years of being a digital nomad and consciously decided to move back home you know I think there's a lot of people listening who are kind of wondering well if I make the the leap is that a forever thing? Like if I, if I decide to stop, does that mean I failed? Mm-hmm. And you really prove the point, yeah. you know, you really mm-hmm. show that like, it's not a failure. It's just a pivot. Yeah. I think, um, I was worried about that too. Like I didn't want to seem like, Oh, I failed. But like, I, to me, it's like just all a journey. Like when that's the right phase in your life to come back, like that, just like, you know, just come back if, if, if you feel like that's the right thing for you. And it doesn't mean that it's over. Like you could still leave again and be a digital nomad again. And that's how I feel too, that I feel like in the future, I'll probably go out again. Like, I don't think it's like the end of that, you know, that era or whatever. So yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really fun. So if you guys want to check out, uh, Sharon's uh, website or her podcast, most of it's under either digitalnomadquest.com or you can search for Sharon Sang. We'll have all the links in her 
uh, in our show notes. This is episode 236 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. And also, if people want to check out your new course, how can they find that? Yeah, so you can go into courses on my website and you'll be able to find the Etsy Entrepreneur. And I actually wanted to offer your listeners a little promo code. So uh, if you guys are interested in that course, I'm offering a 20% off code. Um, You just have to enter like a boss and you'll be able to get 20% off the course. Very cool. All in caps or does it not matter? I don't think it matters, but just I I put it in as (laughs) all caps. Okay, very cool. So if you guys... Want to learn more? Check out digitalnomadquest.com. Sharon, thanks so much for being on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.